0: It's the Jesus and Paula Show, starring Jesus Christ and Paula Price. Tune in as we learn the mind of Christ and thoughts of God. Well, good evening. We're back live in the studio this week. Last week was a much needed vacation. Praise the Lord and hallelujah. And the week before that, we were in Joliet, Illinois, with Apostle Nona Parker at Antioch Christian Assembly. And Dr. Price taught on the soul of the prophet. Now, if you missed it, guess what? Coming soon to a Power Train platform near you, you'll be able to register for the course and get yourself prophetically trained. Dr. Price went so far in on the prophet's soul that I feel like she's still there. It was quite a time, and she did what she does. She was the only speaker, so she was able to really concentrate on the subject for an extended period of time. You don't want to miss that. Any time that we provide training for you, if you're looking to be the best, take advantage of that opportunity. Um, Next week, Dr. Price is going to be teaching here in Tulsa and recording courses. We're going to let you know. Tomorrow, end of today, this weekend, how if you want to participate in that with a tuition, you can do that and sit down at the feet of or virtually watch online through Zoom. If you want to register, we're going to have the whole registration set up so you can be a part of that teaching experience, that firsthand impartation, anointing. It's very different when it's in a classroom setting. It's very different when it's not streamed online. And I know uh, many times we convince ourselves that if it's online, it's the same as if we were there and all I have to do is tune in. But we know that's not the case. Talking to somebody on the phone, doing with FaceTime, and it's very different than sitting with them in the room face to face across from each other and experiencing whatever you are experiencing. And so you want to be a part of that. Now, Sunday, we have leadership training. We had soul sonic. Listen, I don't know what we had. Every time we come together, it's a soul, soul, isn't it though? It's like a soul excavation where it's like, and just when you think there may not be anything left, there's more, there's more, there's more. So I've been working on since Sunday. Sunday's leadership, and we're rolling out a new course on Powertrain this weekend. Well, probably the top of next week, honestly, it'll be ready. And it's called, uh, let's see, now that you are a leader, (laughs) from fascination to adaptation. I'm sipping water. Are you fascinated by being a leader? Or are you actually equipping yourself to become a leader? And she broke that thing down. Here are a few things that she said, and then we're going to go to a sneak peek just for you. She said, are you a non-thinker or a high feeler? This is we repeated this many times in the class and how social media and all this agenda is groomed to have us being non thinkers and high feelers. (coughs) Excuse me. And she said, you have to be (laughs) very hot on self maturity to make sure that the reason you're on the planet is not frustrated by unsavory emotions. I want to ring every bell on my desk right now, just thinking about that whole moment. She said, when you are in a reactionary posture, you are always shutting off your brain. You're in a posture of self-defense or self-validation. Envy will make you rivalrous. If you give your emotions free reign, you will always hate yourself. Now, this was in like the first 30 minutes. (laughs) Ha ha! The first portion of the class. I know she's touching the Liberty Bell. Like you just want to ring everything. That statement alone can have you working on yourself for nine months. Maybe a, maybe two years. Okay. One, when you are in a reactionary posture, you're always shutting off your brain. And we know this because when we're reacting, you know what we say later? I don't know how that happened. I don't know what's going on. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. People are telling you what you did and it's news to you. Or you're calling them a liar. I didn't say that. I would, how many of us have ever been there? I didn't say that. I wouldn't say that. Now 15 people are telling you that's what you said. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. I was walking past and heard you say it. Well, you must've misheard me. Well, you came in on the end of the conversation. That's a good one. You came in on the end of the conversation. You really weren't there. You don't know what they said to me first. I know what you said to them. So that reactionary posture, you're shutting off your brain. When you when your adrenaline is flowing, and that could be because your temperature is rising, because your temper is rising, temper, temperature, you're riding hot, you're getting hot under the collar, all the things that we talk about, people, you are a hot head. just popping off and then walking away and it's like once something blows and then it calms down the evidence of an explosion is all around it but it can look very still very cool pressure cooker that lid blows off boom food all over the ceiling all over the wall something broken glass windows dishes and that pressure cooker is looking just as peaceful and calm now that it has blown its lid And that's what we do also. And and so she talked about that. You're in a posture of self-defense or self-validation. You get blinded by defending yourself. You get blinded uh, by defending what you believe, who you are, your image. You want to be seen a certain way. And when that becomes your primary objective, and I can only say by what I have learned and what I have observed, when that becomes your primary objective, you put on blinders. They put blinders on horses so they don't get distracted and they don't get startled by what's around them, but they also can't see anything else coming. And so when you put those blinders, those emotional blinders, those soul blinders up on your eyes, you have one focus in mind, whatever that focus is. If it's protecting your image, that's all you're going to do. No matter what somebody says to you, yeah, but you don't understand because, and you don't understand because, and you don't understand because, and you're constantly, you're on an auto refutation. You're just going to refute automatically by what somebody says, and they can have a sentence halfway out of their mouth. You think you know what they're going to say. You're completing their thoughts for them. You're completing their line of, uh, of, of justification for them, and you are imposing your conclusions on them. Anybody ever find themselves doing that? Any honest people? Okay, watching. where you are like, yeah, I surely did jump the gun? Got out there ahead of it. Didn't believe somebody when they told you. And so all of that is tied to being a non-thinker and a high feeler. Now, being a non-thinker does not mean you're not intelligent. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with your brain. What it means is that you're programmed to feel that your feelings override your rationale, override Your mind saying, okay, let's just calm down. Let's think about this. Let's think about when you're trying to pull somebody off of the ledge, you want to what? When people really who are trained to do this are pulling somebody off of the edge of the brink of a bad decision or something, they will begin to shift their thoughts into something else. Telling somebody to calm down almost never calms them down. You need to calm down. How many people has that has that ever worked with you? In fact, it kind of inflames the situation. Don't tell me to calm down. I'm I'm justified. I'm right. I'm not wrong in what I'm doing. And and the list goes on and on and on. And so we're going to take a sneak peek at uh this uh extraordinary teaching, and it's going to be paired with some other leadership classes, but we're calling the overall course uh from adapting to Uh, I'm sorry, from fascination to adaptation as far as leadership goes. And we'll be right back.
1: Because counselors can be very helpful in helping you see the blind spots of of you that you hate. We all have them. So you you have things that you hate doing and yet they are why, they're why you're in the planet. So you're trashing all the reasons that God made you and all of the attributes and talents that he gave you. You're trashing that because of you're appropriating someone else. And the scripture has a four letter word for that called envy. Because you don't feel good about you, you know, um, because, well, that's that's Satan's world. It's up to you to rise above his world. You as many people aspire to lead because it's a fascination. They're fascinated with what they see, but they're operating on just the visuals. Why? People just obey so-and-so. Oh, look, I, they get to sit in the front. And so you're always operating on the visuals and not the reality. Like, what does it cost for somebody to be trusted to that point? You don't even think about being trusted as a leader. You just want to be appointed. Everybody has their place. Every, What God said, every member gets to do their share. But So let's move on. Effectively, the treatments in this process blend the cognitive and effective domains so they infuse learners with the practicalities of prudent leadership. Not just Give me a chance, leadership. Because if you want someone to put you in leadership just to give you a chance, then you you plan to operate on pity or deceit. So you don't realize it. So opinions become intelligence. And, and don't dare try to refute it because now you're going to get the lashing of the defense network. The reactionary... Defense is going to lash out at you from a tongue that can't spell. And a mind that can't think. So you all are always fighting with God and then you're mad because his promises are held up. God's like, I'm not late. But you are. So you don't know who God has coming down the pike in your life. Who cannot tolerate and who will pass you by because of something he's trying to fix.
0: My, my, my. Selah. Stay tuned for registration information. On that course and the previous the statement preceding when she said opinions become intelligence is she said Facebook makes every idiot an expert. <laughs> Thank you. And so <laughs> and she said, and so opinions become intelligence. I mean, it, it isn't hard to find uh, an amen choir on social media. Truly, all you have to do is say anything, really. It can be stupid. It can be intelligent. It can make sense. It can be convoluted. And somebody's going to tell you, wow, that's deep. That's deep, man of God. That's deep, woman of God. That's deep. That's deep. But this is the book Dr. Price was reading from. Now that you are a leader. This is great. You can order this on ppmglobalresources.com. Now that you are a leader, you can see it's right there on your screen, ppmglobalresources.com. You want to purchase this book, leadership book. It's a transitional, transitional adaptive guide for newcomers to the world of leadership. And I will say this, you could be an old timer. In leadership. But if you have not had leadership classes, then you need to educate yourself. Experience alone is never enough. Do you know how many people are sitting at the top of ministries that have never had a leadership class? Not one, that have never read a leadership book. Not one that haven't gone on and done anything with leadership, wondering why their ministry is struggling, wondering why they can't get their people to follow them. How about this? It might not be the people. It might be you. It might not be the sheep. It might be the shepherd because sheep follow shepherds. Where are you leading your people? Telling people what to do and leading them are not the same thing. And we often think, I told them, I told them, I told them. And we conclude, we've led them, we've led them, we have led them. Dr. Price sat down with us every Sunday after church. We would have lunch and training every Sunday for years, probably at least six or seven years in a row. Now we have leadership training once a month. And uh, the ministry is bigger. Uh, we have a lot more dynamics, so we meet more than once a month. But we have leadership training first Sunday. Soul Sunday is second Sunday. Third Sunday, we have an administrative executive leadership meeting after church to handle the affairs of the congregation and, and things that are going on, in the, uh, on the, in the ministry. And so she would sit down with us, PowerPoints, teachings, notes. What we get right now, she has always done. And so people would see us as, now this is years ago, younger leaders, and say, I want your people, I want your people, because they're really good. And she says, listen, I put in a lot of time with these people, not taking anything from who they are, but there was a lot of development and work that went into it. And so Dr. Price is never a leader that just tells us. By the time we get to telling what to do, it's after we have been taught what to do. And so you really need to study out the difference between being told and being taught. Say la. So if you have not had leadership as a leader or a leader in training, you want to order this book now that you are a leader. Again, a transitional adaptive guide for newcomers to the world of leadership. This is powerful. Dr. Price has activities because you know, she has activities because it is a work, book. Let me see. I'm just opening up here to page 42. The actors. Oh, how appropriate with an acting degree that I have. Action, actionizers, and actionables inspired by your reading. Because here's what we know. If you can't act it out, then you can't do it. You can't You can't bring anybody else on board. It's one thing to recite. See, we as, as good church folk, aren't we good at reciting what we've learned? Anybody out there today? Are we good? Are we paying attention? Are we good at reciting what we've learned? We are, are we good at just saying, Amen, preacher? We have the Amen, Amen. Yeah, that's, say that, say that. Oh, she came all the way through. He's stepping heavy. He's stepping heavy today. Oh, yeah. Well, what can you do? First of all, did you even hear something that you can do something with? And then can you act on it? So again, the actors, actions, actionizers, actionables, inspired by your reading, how are you going to act on what you have learned? We did an activity worksheet in leadership. Next month, I'm going to expect the leaders to come back with a plan based on that. It can be a basic plan. It can be an in-depth plan, a layered plan. It doesn't really matter, but a plan of action. We want to know how our leaders, and especially our leaders in training how you think and how you will act in your leadership position. Not just what you will preach. Can we talk about that? Because everybody's in love with, I'm just going to get out there and disseminate the word. Now, what are you going to do with God's people? What are you going to do with an organization? How? And if you have a failed organization in your history, then we need to find out why. Why didn't what you do, it's like if somebody has run through multiple cr- jobs And they're sitting in front of you interviewing, you want to find out why they can't keep a job. If it's always the boss, that means it's them. If it's never their fault anywhere. Now, it's one thing if companies have shut down, if they've been bought out and they cut everybody out of the old staff. Okay, you might have that every now and again, but not consistently Okay, and so she asked her what the reading instilled in me. You want to know what instilled me. So says, as I read through this section, the information most instilled in my leadership self is, and then she has what instilled means in this in the uh, footnotes because, you know, Dr. Price does footnotes as an highly achieved author. What the reading installed. So you, you've learned the difference between what it instilled. Well, we know about dis- distilled water, right? instilled in you, installed in you, what the reading most inseminated in you, most instructional statements, and the appreciation of leadership as a broad range scopic institution. My God, the transmitters. This book is for thinkers, not just doers and feelers. Before you do, let's think. It takes time to be groomed, it takes time to become. And it's what we call continuing education. If you're in the medical profession, there are some things that you must continue to learn because technology is continuing to upgrade. Systems are continuing to upgrade. If you are in law enforcement, you have to have continued training in weapons, especially because I I know the agenda on television to make you think that every cop is just shooting everybody who walks past them. That is not the truth. Many law enforcement officers many special agents really don't have to pull their weapons. And so they have to, but they have to go through training every so many months, go to the range, make sure that they're fresh, that their reflexes are sharp, that they know how to use this weapon that they've been carrying and not, and not pulling. And with leadership, with development, with any skill that you have, you have got to go through periodic retraining, refreshing. Oh no, we have to go through this when we were, um, Oh, we were in. where were we at? Juliet, because it was Apostle Nona talking about her job. She had her uh, corporate executive job with company, and she said every single year they had the exact same training, retraining, everyone, verbatim. She said that your job depended on it. And so you. she said that you would, uh, the first year you're nervous. Oh, you know, I have to pass this. Oh. And so you sweat bullets, you study, you pass, assuming. The second year you're sweating bullets and you realize, hey, these are the same questions and information as last year. Year 15, year 16, she's like, it's the exact same test, but it's the principles of the company. It's the foundational information. The foundation should never change. Foundation didn't change. And everything that they do to keep the company uniform and unified is regular mandatory retraining. We're going to put that together for our institution so that all of our leaders know this is our vision, this is our mission, this is our motto, these are our objectives, these are our slogans, these are our outcomes, this is how we do, we do our processing. And annually, we'll have some kind of retraining to see to it, plus as we bring new leaders on board, that they're baptized into one continuous and contiguous line of thought. And so this is breaking down again, then with that installed. So we have the transmitters as a talk it out approach, as a write it out approach, as a publish it approach, as a broadcast approach, in taking an advisement tool, in taking a coaching tool. And she has all of these statements to really assist you and not regurgitating, but assimilating. And becoming, when you assimilate something into your system, it becomes a part of who you are. You absorb it. There are things that, what, you, you'll uh, swallow in pill form, but then they'll say, put this under your tongue. Because why? It absorbs right into the bloodstream. You're, the percentage of loss because of digestion, oh man, we could really go down the street on this revelation. The percentage of loss due to the gastric juices and the elimination process is substantially reduced when we put it at the point where it's going to go most directly into your bloodstream. People in love with popping pills. They're like, "Well, you should drink this. You should rub this. You should chew this. Put this under your tongue, and then chew it. Then break it down, and you'll get the most out of it." And so, when it comes to these types of things, a lot of times we just want to pop it, pop, pop, pop. Well, just, just give me the, the what, what, what's the nutshell? What are the nuts and bolts? Just tell me, you know, how, how can I just get there? And then you don't revisit. Uh, right now I'm back in my books. I'm back in books that I've read 10 times, three times, five times. And it's like at every level of revisiting, something else stands out because with each year you gain new wisdom, ideally, right? Can we say ideally? Ideally, you should be gaining new wisdom, going back through old sermon notes, going back through old college notes, old training notes. When I go back through my old prophets training notes, I'm like, whoa, that's 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 still profound. And now I know what to do with it. Now I can do something different. Boy, I really wish I would have done something different with that the first time. Didn't know any better. Didn't listen any better. Because a lot of times we are told what to do. She talks about going. She has the word cloud in this training from fascination to adaptation word cloud. And she talks about the terms that are in there, mentor, motivate, supervise, and so on. I'm not going to tell you everything that's in that word cloud. All right because you have got to go through that. And then the leadership acronym, Dr. Price is the queen of many things. Acronyms are certainly one of those. And so there's the leadership acronym. There's the note acronym. We went through the occupy acronym, all these things that are not tied to showing off on a microphone. And if your goal is to show off and she hits that the first, 30 minutes, you you hit. You are hit in the beginning of the training. You are hit, hit, hit. But if you want to know why you have failed, you need to take this class. If you want to know how you can succeed or why you're succeeding, sometimes people are not sure why they're successful. Well, what makes you successful? I don't know. I just hope it doesn't fail one day. I don't know. I just hope so. If you want to know why you are successful, how to take your success to the next level, how to transform and bring your team on board, how to anchor. One of the things we teach here is before you spread it through your whole congregation, you need to galvanize your leadership first. You need to bring them in behind the scenes and seed into them what the plan is, what the shift is, what the transition is, because the head can turn, but the shoulders need to go with it. The rest of the body needs to go go with it or else you're not really going anywhere. You're just looking around because that's all that's moving. Now that you are a leader, it's true. Now that you are a leader, you want to add this to not just your library of casual reading. You want to read this to your academic stack and put it at the top. Leadership, a pointer, wisdom. She talks about God's leadership, proving pruning appointment methods. Don't you want to know how God uh, proves and prunes and appoints? Well, we're going to be right back after this very brief message with the one and only chief leader, chief apostle, chief author, chief chef. Let me tell you, she can cook too. All right. She can throw down. Chief decorator. Yeah. (laughs) All right. And the apothecary, the chief apothecarian. Is that a word? Apothecarian? Sure, it is today. She's an apothecarian. Chief Apothecarian will be right back after these messages.
1: I would also say, and I teach my people, which is why I can have all nations and all kinds of folks in my church, is what I would like to say is that Unfortunately, and having come through the riots in the 60s and watching the insemination of the hatred for the white Jesus, um, I would say, quite frankly, that has to come from people who don't know him. And to race type Jesus Christ is to backhandedly say he's not God. Jesus is the embodiment of all his creation. He can appear and manifest any way he wants, any color he wants, because he holds the patent on all of his creatures. He holds the patent, so he can show up. So when people start telling me that, I said, oh, okay, so you got that other Jesus, because the Jesus I know, before he became Jewish, was Yahweh, and he had no race. And then when he came and incarnated, he incarnated in the very nation that he begot back in Egypt So when we start talking about black Jesus and all of that, I'll be honest with you. I'll tell you in a minute that that tells me that's an antichrist spirit. That's the the main thing I wanted to say. And as an African-American woman who's watched the development of this, I mean, we can go back to Cassius Clay becoming Muhammad Ali. I've watched this development, but it's all based on the flesh. It is not based on this man's sovereignty. It is not based on his divinity. We want to keep him in our little pictures, the little plaster things on the wall. But the Jesus that I saw couldn't be anything. And <clears throat> if we think about the road to Emmaus, he showed up as the gardener, and nobody knew who he was. And they did not know who he was until they took on his word. And the Bible says the veil is taken away in Christ. But when the veil, when Moses is red, meaning when Moses is the principal, then people's minds are blind to Jesus Christ. And you cannot see Jesus Christ in Moses because Moses was his servant. And so when I when they start telling me that I was like, oh, you know, are you kidding me? The man is God. He can show up as an uh, uh, Jesus can show up as a plane, because it all everything's in him. The Bible says he is all things, he is before all things and all things are in him and in him all things consist and so i i don't i don't because i need to first find out who jesus is to you before i take on that argument
0: reintroducing dr paula price Powertrain.com. become the most successful you business and life coaching and training with dr paula price Register today for her course that will be available called Taking Control of Your Soul, a personalized way to take control of you. Lesson one, your soul is the creator made it. Lesson two, soul fixer upper, getting in touch with your soul. Lesson three, dissecting the thoughts of the heart. And lesson four, under construction, exposing the appetites of the heart and soul. Learn more at (laughs) www.DrPaulaPricePowertrain.com.
1: Well, I am here. We're on another Thursday evening, and I am excited about what God is going to say and do and and everything else today. He's going, he has a lot on his mind. And you know, you have to really be very close to the Lord to be able to make statements like God has a lot on his mind right now. Because our job as his messengers is to know his mind. He revealed his mind to us, the mind of the almighty. We, we say in our, in our services on Sunday, mind of Christ, thoughts of God. For I know the thoughts that I think of you, saith the Lord, to do you good and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. We like that. First of all, the, the, the downfall of Protestantism has is sliver scripture in scripture slivers. That's the downfall. Because a mature institution would not confine you to a single sentence. Think about your insurance policy. How effective would your insurance policy be with bullets? We don't generally get bulleted insurance policies. How effective would your, your deed to your property or any of your other important documents be if we just gave you a sliver? Just a little sliver Slither, sliver—I like them both. And 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 so, the fact of the matter is, when you—if you've grown in a church or you've come up under a leader who thought it was really okay to give you slivers of scripture, little fortune cookies—I remember when I—that was the hottest thing. Can you imagine a mature body saying, "We're excited"? I read three verses today. That is contempt for the Holy Ghost. That is contempt. That is demeaning to him and you're excited. You'll sit there and read a whole novel, stand in bookstores for hours reading bunches of paper or whatever. You do that all the time and yet where your soul is concerned, you can understand Satan wants your soul because he wants to make sure you never nurture it. You never groom it. You never heal it. You never cure it. You never purge it because Jesus died for your sins. But you understand he gave you a new spirit to upgrade your soul. It's kind of like getting a new whole new uh, software that upgrades your computer. We see that in our phones. Like when did my phone begin to do it? Mine doesn't do it anymore. But anyway, (laughs) but the point that I want you to know is that it's time to grow up. God woke me up this morning and he said to me, he said, but Protestantism Protestantism has failed because it never became one. We we talked as one under the sun, but we never became one, which is why it was very easy to get in and fracture us. And today we see that fracturing and that scattering in the, 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 the only strongholds we thought we had, which were the denominations. But then they started getting bashed about 25, 30 years ago and they've not recovered. But that all of that is to lead to the point that I would like to make, and that is God founded his church, his ecclesia. First of all, let's back up. Let me back up. Roll back with me. All right. God founded his kingdom. And his earthly realm with prophets. I'm going to make some very stern statements, which is nothing new for me. But anyway, I just want you to know I'm continuing. <laughs> in normal form. <laughs> Just wanted to warn you. And so God starts everything with a prophet. If you're taking notes, if you're in your house and we can, I want you to go and write that down. Get a big fat marker, a big fat marker, and get a big fat piece of paper and write, God starts everything with a prophet. And then when you do it, I want you to go to your computer and I want you to get a big banner. I want a banner. If you have a church, put it on your church. If you have a a business, put it there. But God starts everything with a prophet. Now, this is going to be a very interesting banner. You might even want to make a word cloud out of it so it looks kind of attractive. And then the second thing you need to know is that the first prophet in Creation in this earth realm that Jesus identifies is Abel. Abel goes all the way and he tracks with Jesus as the the sacrifice, as the, the first prophet, as the sacrifice. We meet Abel again in the book of Hebrews and his blood is still talking. He said, but Jesus's blood is overshadowing. So his blood is outshouted at Abel, but Abel's blood was the messenger of the earth. So his, when his blood hit the ground, it, start, it kept talking. The body died, but his blood kept talking. What was it saying? It was speaking to creation. It was speaking to the material realm, and it was also speaking to the invisible agents of the material realm. When God didn't have men, he didn't stop prophesying. He just started prophesying to uh, the sun, the, the mountains, the waters, the trees. You know, He started talking to his elements because in his mind, everything refi- uh, res- responds to the sound of his voice. Everything. Everything your hair. So it that we don't know. So this looks foolishness and and you know, wisdom can look dumb until its day has come. And when its day is come, then it's shown itself to be the wisest thing God ever did. So this looks stupid until we came into the area of science. And now we realize your blood tells all your business and it doesn't stop talking. We're finding remains of thousand year old corpses that are telling us their DNA telling us their nationality they're telling us what killed them they're telling this is we're talking from bc to ad and from eternity so when when now hebrews makes great sense when you read and it says that abel's blood still speaks God said Abel's blood was talking to him, telling on his brother from the ground, not the grave. From the ground. I want that to sink in. So Jesus comes and he said the blood of all the prophets are talking to him. Told him who killed them, under what conditions they were killed, and why they were killed. The era, the leader, it doesn't matter because everything that happens to you obviously is captured in your blood. Now, I'm going to get off of that subject because my teaching, my class, my powertrain class on the biotic gospel is going to talk to that in depth. But I want you to understand that the prophets are so important to God that the first blood shed in the planet was blood of a prophet. The first murder committed in earth history was the murder of a prophet. And believe it or not, nepotism, sibling rivalry. We still have it today. Now you know that we find out about the prophet when we look at Luke eleven forty-nine to 51. It takes the Lord Jesus Christ to disclose to Paul that Abel was a prophet. And that he was the first prophet and the first profession in the planet. Older than everything except perhaps farming. Uh, You cannot be a bona fide prophet and not hear this, but also find yourself being unmoved by it. Hmm. Now, if if that was first, then we can go down the line. We can see God starts everything with a prophet. We noticed that God names a lot of things and families, but but the people that tend to get commemorated are the people who are prophets in particular of the founding and initiatory prophets, the prophets that kick things off, catalytic prophets. I want you to keep these thoughts in mind, because you cannot defend something that you cannot explain. People keep wanting to get rid of prophets, and God is disgusted by this. I have watched, over, over I've read scripture, and nothing good for, comes from an organization throwing out prophets. The end is worse, because some some spirit is going to speak. It either is going to be the spirit of the prophet or the spirit of a Balaam or a diviner. And see, Satan does not mind being incognito as long as he gets your soul. So if the price of getting your soul is pretending he doesn't exist, that's all the better. So if God starts everything with a prophet, and we know this, this is biblical. See, first of all, a biblical organization would not do that. Because they would know all the way to the end of the book of Revelation. God is vindicating his prophets. Protestantism has never really done well by God's prophets. Historically. And so it was doomed to end up where it is. Because God does everything, again, with a prophet. Now I like to keep saying that because I want you to hear it. He starts everything with a prophet. Everything means everything. And I want you to not lose sight of that because you'll be looking for God to do this. For example, when you pray and expect God to answer, you're actually walking in his prophetic stream. Because another word for God's prophets and prophecy is divine communications and divine communicants. So the prophets speak God's mind in this world, because God is not in this world physically. He's in this world by the Holy Spirit. He is invisible, he is inaudible. So he raised up microphones and amplifiers called prophets. And he put, He built them in a particular way to hear him comprehend his thoughts and convey those thoughts to the world, to the physical world. We're going somewhere. So I'm laying this foundation because I need you to understand that. So God starts everything with the prophet. The first prophet in in creation. I won't say creation because God does have heavenly prophets. We found that out in the book of Revelation that they're prophets plus angels. He has angels who are prophets. I mean, we got Gabriel showing up telling us what. Go, what's going to happen to Elizabeth and Mary we've got Gabriel showing up to Daniel bringing the book of Daniel to the planet so you know the prophetic did not originate on earth as few things did because everything God originated in God for God in his world so now so and I'm speaking I want you to get on the phone and say this woman is covering the prophetic and if you want to feel vindicated you need to get on because a lot of you all have let the church that didn't exist define you as a messenger of god a pre-existent messenger of god you predate the church prophets and apostles pre-exist the church for god does everything by his word which is why prophets come first he does everything by his word he if he doesn't speak it it cannot The world's not inseminated with it. The Holy Ghost does not incubate it or brood over it to produce it. I want this to make sense to you because I want you to understand that God is going to push back with his prophets. And and my Bible tells me historically, when God begins to push back with his real prophets, his true prophets, they prevail. God says he He literally hacks people to pieces with his prophets. Hosea, I've hewn them by the words of the prophet. He builds with his prophets. He speaks with his prophets. We've talked about Haggai, and we'll look at Haggai again. Just remember the two H's, and it'll help you. Haggai and Hosea. So God does everything with his prophets. He starts first because he starts with his word. And in order for us to know what he's saying, in this realm, he needs a physical voice or instrument to to speak it so again this whole assault against prophets this is satanic because nobody but satan is afraid of prophets because he wants you addicted to the false prophets and the prophecies and the balaams he has in place because that guarantees two things it guarantees that you never hear from the almighty in truth because you're going to see, you'll tell us you're getting rid of prophets, but you'll still keep the quote unquote nine gifts of the spirit. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, word of prophecy, which there is no such thing. Write this down. There is no such thing. As the nine gifts of the spirit. I want you to write it down. And if you're a prophet, I want you to take it to heart. And I know you're going to get all upset. Literally, since its inception, the the idea of it or the concept of it has been in existence. Billions of dollars have been on error. Can you imagine a one word error? There is right now Dr. Paula A. Price on the Jesus and Paula show. I just want to get it right what are we, September 8th, 2022, has said, there is no such thing as the nine gifts of the Spirit. Simeon is the word of gifts for gifts in the, in the Greek, but 1 Corinthians 12 does not say that. It says, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11, it says, but the manifestation. See, manifestation is phanerosis. That's not Simeon. So you can't say that's not didomy. You get that's not doses, dorim, Doria, and all of the other words for gifts. That is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. It means the showing up of a particular being. The showing forth of a particular being. So if there's no, if the prophets are wrong and they started this, then you have no sermons. Literally, we won't have sermons. We're going to have rhetoric, motivational speeches, etc. Because God starts everything with a prophet. Many of the people who have churches today can tell you that God sent somebody to prophesy them. They ready to quit. Here come another prophet. I'm I'm coming again. I'm just no, 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 no. So I want you to remember, if we don't get our foundations right, we can't get our anchors right. If we go to Ephesians chapter 2, 20, it tells us very clearly that the foundation is God's apostles and prophets. Now, he flips it in the New Testament for reasons we'll discuss in the biotics class. If you go to Ephesians 3, 5, Paul says that his revelation came to apostles and prophets. So I don't understand how it appears that we can righteously, legitimately, this is important, go on the rampage against God's prophets. Now you can go on a rampage against prophesiers, because a lot of those people that you're calling prophets are not prophets. But it is up to you if you're if you're holding the line and if you're going to continue to be the the pillar and ground of truth that the Lord Jesus says the church is, you're gonna have to decide. Sift. You need to come up with sifters. You need to come up with evaluators. You need to come up with corroborators. You need to come up with verifiers. You need to come up with vetters, so that you do not put your organization. Under judgment because you're trying to defend it from error. You're trying to guard it from falsity and falsehood. You have got to do that. I want you to think differently about this because you cannot throw the baby out with the bathwater and think that the dirty water is not going to stay seeping in your world. Because God starts everything with a prophet. You want him to start in a, a revival with an evangelist. He did not start anything with an evangelist. So if you kick out the prophets, you're shutting down the revival you're looking for. My God. Because the first revivalists were not evangelists. In the Old Testament, the first revivalists were the priests and the prophets paired. Read Josiah, Hezekiah, those are the kings that were known for re- national revival. You want a revival and you want to throw out the revivalists. I don't care. Well, well you know, we had the revivalists in the early America and, and, and they weren't First of all, you don't know that they were or were not because you didn't care. Huh. Because you weren't looking at fivefold back then. You weren't looking at threefold. So you really don't know that. That's an argument that can't wash. So your job, if you are interested in preserving the body from error, your job, first of all, is to learn the prophetic. Yourself, personally, Every the head of every organization who wants to guard himself or herself and the institution from dangers and all of the other things it may be susceptible to takes time to learn the threat. We have never, you can't even call us a threat, call a prophet a threat if you haven't learned it. You can say you had a negative experience, which may or may not have been error.
0: <laughs>
1: Just because you didn't feel good about it doesn't mean it wasn't good. Just because you didn't feel God in it doesn't mean it wasn't God. You might have already frozen God out and you didn't realize it. <laughs> so you might be numb to the Almighty. You might be numb to the Almighty. You're like, because um, He didn't do something you want. You realize that God, there's a whole lot of things that we want from God that God won't do. And we're be- so we've got a lot of seething anger pods in our souls about this man. Now, I am an apostle. I am a chief apostle because I have founded the entire replacement of what God is about to do. Write me about my arrogance so we can just get it off the table. (laughs) Okay. Because, see, I, I have written the entirety of this thing, and it's waiting to be revealed. I have the strategy, I have the tactics, I have the systems, I have the networks, I have the documents, I have the curricula, I have the institutions, I'm good to go. I'm done. You want, you want to test it? Go to DrPaulaAPrice.com or meetPaulaPrice.com and from leader to laborer, I've got it. From initiation to culmination, God has given. That's what I've done for 40 years. So I'm not acting like I just did it yesterday morning. 40 years. When I tell you so-and-so is or isn't a prophet, or is or isn't an apostle, or is or isn't a five-folder, Three-folder or five-folder, I can back it. All they have to do is take my assessment. And I have we have organizations and churches around the world who have their people come through the assessment so that they know what they're dealing with. Those are wise leaders because only a blind leader wants to just deal with something based on their instinct. Now, I was calling them instinctually, and I was correct, but nobody could do that but me. That didn't help. So I had to write the assessment. So I have a full-fledged, five-fold assessment just to let you know a habit, full-fledged five-fold assessment that will assess all of the Ephesians 411 officers, tell you your type, tell you your best environment, because some of you are put out of churches and you think it's because you want that office or you aren't that ministry. But in fact, you were just in the wrong place. For example, a, 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 an entrepreneurial prophet Locked into the ministry of a feeding service is not going to do well. So if you're if you're going to be a feed, you're going to feed the hungry and feed the poor. Your mentality is very different from that. And you're going to call them a wicked money profit simply because they they're in the wrong environment. (laughs) So your environment is important. You don't know how important you are by a lot of you are sitting on the side of the road crying because you were trying to put your mantle to plug your mantle into the wrong vision, the wrong ministry, the wrong sphere of domain. So I can tell you that. So if you're if you're supposed to be a a therapeutic prophet, meaning you work with the soul in ways that most don't. You know, Moses had a whole lot of soul, et cetera. But he had the whole thing. But if you're supposed to do that, then you do not need to be in a ministry that is uh, this playing up drama and theatrics. The artistry, some of you all. But instead, you've been called not a prophet simply because you were trying to be a prophet. Where your mantle didn't fit. You didn't fit there. Because your focus. Because the, the the uniqueness of scripture. Is that it is a spinning prism. And it will land on what God wants you to say. So we have all of the. the we have the environments, the best environments, we have your secondary gifting. Many of you, your secondary gift works well because you have never come into the office. So it's actually pretending to be the office attributes. So the assessment will say that you have a prophetic gifting, and that sounds real contemporary. It sounds like, wow, we fit, except a gift belongs to an officer or an office, which means you'll either... As an office, your gifts will work, or as an, a, an officer, the gifts in the body, we, the prophetic type gifts, have to support what you're doing. Mm. We give you a break point to say whether or not you are office capable, office endowed, office qualified. And if you're not, then you stay in the gift realm, and we tell you why. So I said, I have this. So we go on and we tell you your strengths, your weaknesses. We tell you your powers and we tell you your, your threats. We talk about the ways that your mantle works and doesn't work up to how God wants to use you. And we tell you how much training you need, how long it will take for this very latent, very submerged power and faculty to come to life and then to become formidable enough to work in the office of the prophet or the pastor or the evangelist pastor and teacher. We tell you that. And then we tell you what type of training you need and we rank your training priorities so that you're not wasting time fixing the thing that you love to do when the thing that's needed of you is being ignored. We finished by letting you know where you could go. We then have an institution to back these assessments. Prophetic Ed, want to go prophetic hyphen Ed. And so prophetic Ed is where you get your advisements. Your assessment comes with a complimentary review. And we have trained, seasoned reviewers. And we help you. We offer the training or we offer the schooling or we'll offer you coaching and counseling. So we do that out of feet. So don't write with me. Don't write me like an like a, an age old evangelist or charismatic talking about it ought to be free. I want you to write me as a kingdom agent, a kingdom representative, a kingdom citizen, knowing that it costs Jesus blood. Today, you still got to pay for blood you need a blood transfusion, you're going to have to up the money. They're going to bill you for giving you somebody else's blood that's not going to get you to eternity and will not purge your soul. So it does cost. From, from prophetic ed, we have Price University. And Price University is fully fully loaded, ready to get you there with a whole prophetic program. All the way up to the PhD. And I'm going in a minute, I'm going to show show you why that's important. So we have prophetic ed, we have PPM global resources with the books and tools you'll need. You go to the website, you go to our, our tabs, you'll see that. And then lastly, for the the, the super pop profits, for the high, highly developed and highly experienced, we have. Dr. Price's power train. So I can place you, I can displace you, I can affirm you, I can reassign you, I can help you. Do you know what we have with the PAQ? Oh my gosh, the PAQ is amazing. You know what? Why? What? It's amazing. First of all, it's all about the prophet. So if you go online and you say, "I'm just, I'm going to just take the PAQ because I'm sure I'm a prophet," it's going to tell you you're a prophet. It'll be wrong unless you are really not a prophet, at which point it says you have you show no attributes for this office, no aptitude. Take the MAQ. So we have this now this this has been out for over a decade. So but the PAQ will do the same thing. It'll give you your raw score. It'll tell you your dominant it'll tell you your secondary it'll tell you your tertiary or your third. The third is always the environment, the type of prophet you are. There are, we have discovered I've discovered there's at least 12 types of prophets in scripture so we talk about them because you might be suffocating your prophet's calling because it doesn't look like someone else I don't know about you but that's a powerful thing so even though you I mean you're, you're you might be sitting around the table you have weekly meetings in Bible studies you may have studied my two books because you understand I've written. Three books on the market on the prophetic. And I have dozens more that support all the things that I just told you. So I don't want you to just sit down there. My school is not going to be where you just come in and somebody just rambles. We have curricula. We have syllabi. They will teach you as an intellectual and academic and scholastic educator. I th- I don't know if they're getting it, Chief. What do you think? Because I'm gonna tell you something. A lot of a lot of your prophetic education was is too freestyle, too informal, too unstructured, too casual. So and it was also very personal and very biased. So it, so if you could be a prophet to that trainer, but you can't be a prophet to the king. So a lot of you are are identity and personality trained prophets and you work well in your sphere. But you can't take on the Lord's issues as the prophet to the prophets. Yes. That that's a whole other thing. A lot of you all have been made apostles and you're not apostles. You are apostolic prophets. But see, my assessment can tell you that. So you might want to go and get behind somebody that somebody has said that they're a prophet. Remember, just find out who the person who declared it is. You need to get the pedigree of the people you're submitting your soul to and your mentorship to. You need that pedigree. We have pedigree training and we have pedigree vetting. So people come to me and they'll say, well, you know, I think so and so's an apostle. And I say, no, they're not. They get angry with me. And you know why they get angry? Because they really don't know what an apostle is. Because remember, we got a whole lot of word of mouth declarations. And we have a whole lot of personal impressions. Declaration. Because they see you in one or two situations, in one or two settings, and, and, and maybe a few public lights. And they conclude that what you, what you are is an apostle because you can speak to speak. You can pick up the vernacular. But what you don't make you don't find an apostle from the public stage in their public service. You find an apostle in the brush, okay. in the cave, in the backside of Damascus, and their works. There has to be works. Now, not not I'm not saying that everybody is like that. Paul had no work as an apostle, but he had work as a an apostle to the Sanhedrin. They found, you know, Apollos and he was doing the work and there was fruit. So that's a whole other thing because we want to fix the problem, but we don't want to be identified as a a factor in that problem. Uh, This whole rush to make everybody an apostle, meaning that the kingdom will be frozen because God starts everything with a prophet. So it's it, the momentum will stagnate because there are no prophets to kickstart and, and decree and declare the apostles. This here, I have a lot of things that I'm looking for God to do in my life. But this here, I got this. So then, so we have the PAQ. It'll tell you all of that. It'll tell you the type of prophet you are. It'll tell you how God normally speaks to you. And it will tell you how he works. But listen, if you get to the mastermind level, we have something called your office at Mantle Compass. And that is a personalized training to specialize. I'm going to use phrases that we're not accustomed to in the prophetic or in the church today. But to, to specialize in your specific constitutional, institutional composition. Or makeup as a prophet. So these are page, and now, so a lot of people, they've come through me and they swear they have it going on. And we look around and I'm like, but y'all never even read your compass. You don't even know how you're built. You don't know how God's going to build from you to take your physiological constitution and construct it into a literal, physical, or Entity, constitution. In other words, build you into, from what your building parts say. You don't know those. People don't even think about it because you think that what you hear from God is it. Like you can't be confused by the 13 other voices that could talk. That slant your word and skew your revelation. Or the eight types of prophecy that you don't know about, which really now by now is 12 because I have 12 different prophets. But I can do that. You want order. But are you? what are you willing to pay for order? You want God to fix this. What are you willing to do for it? And you can't say God's not giving it to anybody because he gave it to me. He gave it all to me. From beginning to end. From placement. To use and engagement. To reviews and assessments. To a service manual. On how to do it. And I'm not talking about the two books I have on the market. These are all other tools. To pull this thing together. If we really. Want to fix it. Now God. Doesn't care. You know I talked to him about. You know the attack of the prophets. And and uh, the the battle that they're having. God said that's me. I'm thinning the herd. I said huh. He said I'm thinning the herd. Because it's crazy. So God's got to mute the whole thing. Because remember, before Samuel emerged, they said the word of God was rare in those days. Rare means there were only a few people that God was affirming their word. Everybody else was white noise. In the kingdom, walking up and down the street, saying stuff, seeing, thinking, whatever, being picked up by devils. The last piece I want you to know as we get on to purpose and get on to what we're going to talk about is that Jesus came as a prophet. So for all of these institutions that are throwing out the prophets, you are throwing out Jesus. Now, you can say, I don't agree, but then, again, then, then we'll just know that you were not a biblical institution. That's going to be our response because Jesus came as a prophet after the order of Moses. Deuteronomy 18 says that Moses said that the Lord, your God, will raise up a prophet from among you like me. Now, when you get to the end of Deuteronomy, you realize it says that God never made another Moses. Huh. So. Jesus comes to the planet as a prophet. They have to discover he's the Messiah. And John the Baptist prophets were so well-trained, they said, hey, we found the Christ. How could you do that? Your job is not to throw them out. Your job is to tell them, if you can, tell them to how to know the difference. And this is what they said. Andrew said it. Philip said it. John the Baptist was a very good chief prophet. And this is what he did. He taught them how to recognize the Messiah when he appeared. John the Baptist was raised up. Believe it or not, he was raised up to reveal the Messiah. But consistent with his pattern from eternity to now, the Almighty raised up a prophet that he had prophesied through Isaiah would come. Behold, I will send my messenger before your face. He will pave the way for you. John the Baptist did a phenomenal job of paving the way for Jesus Christ in the souls of people, as well as in their lives and in their hearing. A chief prophet, a true chief prophet, is going to expect the coming apostle, but also to inspect those claiming to come as apostles. We have got to do inspections. God gave us tools in his scripture. Jeremiah 23 is a major tool. Ezekiel 13 and 14. Hosea uh, 12, 10 and 12. So we have hard, fast tools to inspect, but the chief prophet's job is to make sure everybody in that following can discern Jesus Christ incognito. That means that they have discernment faculties. In our future uh, prophetic clinics, we have a whole session on discernment, 21 elements, 21 rules for discernment. So their job is to do that. In today's time, where before it was a very pedestrian process, today we do it through assessments. And those assessments will tell you. Well, I don't care what you say. God told me I'm a prophet. How many times do we hear that in our advisements? There you go. There's, There's one time. Okay. And do you know what my answer to them is? He may have. Far be it from me to tell you that. But I tell you what, either you didn't believe him or you can't recognize it. And either way, that spells education. Because when the questions pertaining to the prophet come up on our assessment, you didn't recognize him. You chose answers that were non-prophetic. So what am I to do? Even if you are a prophet, we can't affirm it. We can't verify it. Well, all I know is I gave the word to so-and-so and -and -and so-and-so. Donkeys gave words. Rocks can cry out. Come on here. It's more than words. That's our other problem is that we've narrowed it down to sheer verbalization, sheer fortune-telling, sheer future-telling, prediction. That is not the prophet. Abel, we still don't know what Abel taught. Do we know what Abel taught? I don't have, now I'm sure we got some sort of mm, pseudo book of Abel, but none that God thought to, I mean, he kept, he, he threw a little bit of Enoch's words in there. He threw a bit of Noah's words in there. We got quite a bit from Abraham, although none was predictive per se. But we did not get anything that Abel said, and yet Jesus thought it was essential to immortalize him as a prophet. So our job is to now go into deductive reasoning and say, well, what could he have been doing as a prophet? And the maker of the prophet says, he was on my staff. I used him. Post-Eden, I used him. See, you hear this kind of language, you realize you don't hear this when you go to all those conferences that you spend all that money. They keep telling you either the problem Or they're trying to go scientific when they haven't even gone prototypical or archetypical. We got to go to the prototype. We have to go to the archetype because telling you all of that is grooming you for the world but it's not grooming you for your calling. So you can sit around the table and have conversations that the world will appreciate and they don't have to feel convicted because of your office or mantle.
0: It's
1: important. Tell somebody it's important. Say it to your friends. so jesus comes as a prophet and he comes as a prophet to be the vindicator of prophets he says i am going to demand so another term is exact the blood of all the prophets from abel to Zechariah. did he say that he so he comes as a prophet the lord and god of the prophets And he's saying, I am condemning every one of you all for killing my prophets, for abusing them, for slaughtering them. And then he goes on to say, respect them. If you give any one of them even a cup of cold water. Now, he said that about his disciples. And so here's where we we are today. The problem is not getting rid of the prophets or the solution the solution is getting rid of and vetting the prophesiers and then verifying the prophets and you need tools and instruments to do that you can't just do that on your feelings or when they gave a word that didn't happen let me tell you some jeremiah's words did not happen until he was long dead and you know why the king to make them happen had not yet been born Isaiah's word about Cyrus didn't happen. Isaiah the prophet because I know you want to talk about Cyrus and ignore the prophet that talked about him nearly 500 years before he appears. His words didn't happen either. Because how about the prophet that said that Israel who was caught in a siege, a national siege, unable to eat, people are eating each other, and he said but tomorrow We're going to have all of these food. And he started saying this inflation is going away. He said, because this is going to be worth a half a penny. And this is going to be worth things that were starting to be worth, you know, children's lives. And he goes on and he says it. And the the assistant of the the king, in order to keep him from having false hope, said, well, I don't know how that's going to be. And the prophet said, it's going to happen. This is interesting. It's going to happen. You will see it, but you will not eat of it because you dare to disbelieve God's word. And what happened? Sure enough, when the people found out that the word had come to pass, they trampled over this particular assistant and he died and he didn't eat of it. Now, here's what's interesting. The prophet told the king what's going to happen. And so so for the king, it was a mystery. For the messenger, for the prophet, it was a prophecy, and the prophet knew. Don't assume that what you hear is the fullness of what they receive. What you hear is what God tells us to speak. He said, say this and no more, and he'll do that. So this prophet, I'll just say could have, just to make all of my critics, you know, at peace. This prophet could have gotten the whole thing. This Syrian army, I'm getting ready to send an angel in and this angel is going to take it out. And everything that they brought to survive the five-year siege they plan to have on you will be yours for the taking. Don't assume. Don't assume that all you hear from the prophet's mouth is all the prophet received from God's. It's important for you to get that. So. Your job is to find out what vessel is carrying the voice of God and what vessel is God backing. God says that of Samuel, he let none of his words fall to the ground. David, prophet. You we sit there and we talk about David and Goliath. Can we talk about David the prophet? Right. Because God starts everything with a prophet. So even though he founded Israel with a businessman an entrepreneur, he's established Israel by profit. I don't know if this is helping you all, but I wanna take us to where we're going now if you don't mind. So I'm just gonna hop ahead because I talked about these things. I just wanna just jump ahead. So I told you we're going to be on Prophecology, Propheciatry, uh, and then Prophenomics. Now those are gonna come up as separate trainings in the Powertrain program. And so we won't get into depth with that, but I want you to see something that is important as we go to where we're going. I think this is the right one. Hold on, Rage, because sometimes it changes on me. Yep, it changed. Hold on, just wait just a minute. Let me just see where we are. Yep, let me see. Hold on and see if that works. If not, well, if not, we'll have a commercial. How's that? Because I did one that I wanted to bring some very important facts. Yeah, why don't we take a break? We're gonna take a break, guys. Or the assessment. Um, the um. I don't know. I I'm to the because counselors can be very helpful in helping you see the blind spots of the of you. That you hate, we all have them. So you you have things that you hate doing, and yet they are why they're why you're in the planet. So you're trashing all the reasons that God made you and all of the attributes and talents that He gave you. You're trashing that because of you're appropriating someone else. And the Scripture has a four letter word for that called envy, because you don't feel good about you. You know. Um, Because, well, that's that's Satan's world. It's up to you to rise above his world. You, as many people aspire to lead because it's a fascination. They're fascinated with what they see, but they're operating on just the visuals. Why? People just obey so-and-so. Oh, look, they get to sit in the front. And so you're always operating on the visuals and not the reality. Like, what does it cost for somebody to be trusted to that point? You don't even think about being trusted as a leader. You just want to be appointed. Everybody has their place. Every, what God said, every member gets to do their share. But so let's move on. Effectively, the treatments in this process blend the cognitive and effective domains. So they infuse learners with the practicalities of prudent leadership not just give me a chance leadership. Because if you want someone to put you in leadership just to give you a chance, then you, you plan to operate on pity or deceit. So you don't realize it. So opinions become intelligence. And, and don't dare try to refute it because now you're going to get the lashing of the defense network. The reactionary Defense is going to lash out at you from a tongue that can't spell. And a mind that can't think. So you all are always fighting with God and then you're mad because his promises are held up. God's like, I'm not late. But you are. So you don't know who God has coming down the pike in your life who cannot tolerate and who will pass you by because of something he's trying to fix. You have got to recognize success will make you fail over and over and over again. And do you know why? Because it's only through failures that you find your errors. And so we're raised in our, talk about table talk. We're raised in our families to think failure is the worst thing. The worst thing you can do is fail. That's how we're raised. Is that right? Yeah. But that's not what success says. Success says if you don't fail, you won't correct your errors. Now, when you don't correct your errors, you keep going and keep going, and you keep hitting wall after wall after wall. You think something is wrong with you, and it isn't. It's not what's wrong with you. It's what you refuse to own up to. So when you own up to a failure, see us, a failure means we, you know, that we are flawed. Not that your process or your method is flawed. So I teach my team, and they will tell you, I want you to fail. Fail, now I know y'all need to get your grades, so don't please don't go with your head. <laughs> I know <failed>. that. <laughs> but I'm not talking about academic failure. I'm talking about experimental failure. And there is a difference. And experimental failure means this great idea or this great hairstyle that you would have, this great cosmetic line that you would come up with, and it's really good. Isn't it good? It looks good in your brain. But the brain sees the finished product. Experimentation is how you get there. So you'll go doing what you see and not researching. What Well, we are back, and I found myself, so we're ready to go on, because this part is, I'm going to call it prophetic tech, because that's something that we don't talk about. We, we, you know, we have prophetic tech, and if you do hear it, the technique of prophesying is the gist of what they mean. I want to talk to you about office tech, so we'll call it prophetic office tech, because That is where we are today. And in prophetic tech, it begins at the mantle, which is the individual's expertise or specialism, and goes on to the office. And from that, the sphere of domain. I want you to think those ways. I'm shifting your thoughts so that you don't continue to circle around the mountain of prophecy and prediction Wondering why God won't elevate you or use you or why he is so narrowly constricting you in this particular function. Moving on. So we're, we, we know we are in the prophecy clinic and under the bottom. Look at what we talk here. Message, messenger, mantleship, and manifestation. So first the message, which is God's part, messenger which is the, the prophet, mantleship, which is the internal attributes and traits that are given as well as faculties given for the office. And then we have manifestation, the word of God coming to pass. So I want to go back to here. When you think prophet, do you ever think anything more than anointing and emotions And agreement, like if you agree, then it's the word of the Lord. No, you disagree with a lot of things in life that God does and he doesn't care. He just goes on to do God. I'm going to do God, then he has to. And when you enroll in the biotic gospel class, you'll see why God has to do things the way he does. And so we have that. But have you ever thought to call the prophet the specialist? There, are, and remember, we opened this discussion with there are various streams as well as spheres of the prophetic that God confines people to. So they actually emphasize that that's not always exclusive, but it is a constant emphasis. So you could be a business prophet, and that that'll talk to you. But the problem with with doing what I'm doing is that the. the prudent leader has got to say, if you lock yourself into that, even when you need things from the other sphere, you won't have access to them. Mm -hmm. So you have to understand the difference between your emphasis and then your sphere of domain, and then all of the likelihoods that God will use you to do At times, some of you all are so narrow in your prophetics that you're useless to God in any other thing, which means that if there is nothing that's going on where you happen to be that needs what you are, you're out. You know, there is a lot to be said for the, the, the general practitioner as well as the specialist. And then the master, the master has to do with the ability to conquer Satan's best and to do so consistently. To not be moved by it, not to walk around and say, "Ooh, that's a wizard. Ooh, that's a sorcerer." No, no, no. We don't go eerie. Masters don't go eerie. They don't. As a matter of fact, because we are people, we have the same guts, the same bulk up, the same push back, the same courage that anybody else has. And so we—it's just that it's now tied into this prestige, preeminent. I want to say preeminent because it's important that you get it, this preeminent sphere of divine communications and the prophet. So now our word, God, literally our word leeches on God and God literally saturates our word with his prophet's mantle because Jesus came as a prophet. See, there are a lot of things that you keep saying, well, that could be God and it can't be God. And yet there are things that you're calling God prophetically that you would never, Ascribe to him socially or politically or even as God. But yet you'll say it as a prophet, which means you're a prophet to another God. Because just like you can only be you, God can only be God. You know, we like to say, well, this is who I am. God said, well, I I said it first. This is who I am. I'm this. I am a righteous God. When you key all of the I am that God is, you almost want to know why you even exist and where, where he ends and you begin. And then there's the expert. Now, the expert is the one that changes how a sphere of domain operates and its function in society or in the realm of humanity. So an expert is not just going to do the, be the specialist that can do it right and well all the time or the master that can outstrip the enemy. Because, you know, the Bible says of, of Jesus, the prophet said, but the enemy will shall not outwit him. So the master is the one that the prophet that God won't let Satan outwit. Because remember, Jesus came to the planet as a prophet, which means in heaven he had to be that as well. So he made prophets in heaven of his angels before he made prophets of humans. <laughs> had a little talk with Jesus. Didn't tell him about my problems. <laughs> listen to what he had to say. Listen all the way. You can't, you can't get better than this. <laughs> so listen, because the expert is the one that, that literally can alter the way a field of domain is operated, the way its functions and actions are done, that alter, the, it, it, literally enlarge it and take it to the next level. See, we can talk about all of these people but that, that's been running around, but they haven't taken a prophetic anywhere. So they're, they're like, yes, you're, we've been running around the mountain one more time. Because we're always running around the mountain. We can't take it forward because there's a reason why. Because God is not going to fix the problem with its venom. He's not going to fix the problem with what started it. He, It doesn't make a difference whether that was what was intended. It's not even about that. It's about God making sure what he does works. When he wanted a new life. I want I want the, the children of Israel to become a nation. In order to become a nation, I'm going to have to make them nomads. So he made them nomads with the goal of teaching them everything about him for their eventual nationhood. But he did something very interesting. He said, we're going to let this whole generation die out. Now I'm not talking about strictly a physical dying out. But everything that made this what it is, God is letting it die out. He's drying it up. He's drying it up so that the Samuel who's going to bring it in order and structure will be heard. So this is important for you to recognize what God is doing. So God has got to get you fed up with what got him where he didn't want to be. What got off point with him, what left his orbit and created another one. So he had to let it die out. All those prophecies, he had to let them die out. And then we're still not ready for the shift because in order to make sure that what's the up and coming would be loyal and devoted and thoroughly equipped for him, he fed the manna. I have a teaching called the manna babies. And i talk about that. So when, God, so all of the people that you don't see and haven't seen and don't know what they have to say, or they've all been contrary to the popular, contrary to the status quo, those are the ones that are feasting on manna. Those are the manna babies in the making. They were not on the public stage, they were not out there grabbing the mic. They it up with backward God, eating manna, feasting on scripture. You'll know that they're a replacement because the one thing God does is he starts with his word, which means he starts with scripture. You will not have a true revival without scripture because the Bible says sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. So the manna babies are unusual, and and I love the way that God, he, he said, I fed you with manna so you would be bold enough to take over my enemies and take out my problems. I fed you with manna so that there would be no death in you. There'd be no death in you. You know, people have said to me, yeah, well, you know, Dr. Price, all they're going to do is the word. Well, I said, that's what I'm going to do. We manna. We the manna house. See, people got the name manor house and then you got secular and they have traditional doctrines going on. We are the word. That's all I got. I don't have anything else. So the second thing God's going to do, you're going to recognize them by the, the not the dearth of the word you hear. But by the depth and breadth of the word that they cannot help but compulsively utter. So you can uh, I but well, I'm sorry, I like because he he speaks to marriages. Let me tell you something. I speak to Jesus. If Jesus wants your marriage, I want your marriage. If Jesus wants your husband, I want your husband. If Jesus wants your wife, I want your wife. If Jesus wants your family, your business, I want it. I speak to Jesus because the prophet is the second highest officer in creation between the throne of God and the realm of men. Second highest officer. I said to someone recently, I said, I'm I, I'm sorry, I'm I'm an apostle, so I'm going to be the top. That's it. I'm a throne agent. I am a high agent of the Godhead. I am what the, the Godhead looks to. I am their go-to. I'm going to be that until my time on earth is done. So if you're looking for me to act like a pastor, I'm not. You're looking for me to forgive your sins like they should just run all over the place. I'm not going to do that. Now I'm going to call it, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity to repent from it. And if not, I'm going to give you an opportunity to go sin somewhere else. Take your sin where you got to go. Well, I recently had a whole issue with one of my prophets that defected by tearing up my church, etc. cetera. And I was attacked. I mean, they, my own peers and everybody attacked me. And I said, God, what's the problem? He said, that's because they're not ministers of my state. I said, huh? He said, because ministers of my throne know I can't let sin live in my presence. And I have to judge sin. And I cannot have a wayward prophet. So a lot of these prophets are being put out of office. They don't understand that all this move is God moving the office. He's vacating the office. He said, because my manna baby is about ready. And I have to put them in. Because I owe the earth my care. Y'all didn't catch me. I owe the earth. I have a duty to the planet. I have a duty to the... Next generation, the future generation, I have a duty to repair what the last generation did. And so to them, to most people, God is an icon. He's an ideal. He's an ideology. He's a concept. He's not a being who has to keep things going and watch over his word to perform it. If you are a minister of the state, trust me, you have no problem with with us doing in the natural realm what secular folk do when their people betray them. Because let me tell you something, companies fire you for defecting to the enemy. They fire you. And some of them may bring you up on charges, depending on what you did with their intellectual property and their company secrets. See, it gets real quiet when I talk like this because you are so programmed to think of God as a household God. See, it's a household God thing that's got you lost. See, God's not a teraphim. Jesus isn't a teraphim. And the reason we're here today is because pastors put him in the house, left him in the house, and said, let the world go to hell in a handbasket, as if Jesus did not have to deal with that. Jesus does everything his father says, everything. And he said, I have to keep this for my father. So I did what he, I did for him what he does for his father, and I end up being, the household deity's enemy. But when you understand that kingdom precedes Ecclesia, Mm -hmm. then you understand that Hebrews 2, that says Jesus is a liturgos who is the, he's the head of the sanctuary. Liturgos, he's a minister of the sanctuary. Liturgos is a, not a church term. It is a kingdom term. It is a secular term for the sacred ruling, the secular. So see, you have to know this. I told you I got this. So I had to, I don't even know how long we had to fight over the fact that I said, I'm not going to back a lying prophet. I'm never going to back a lying prophet. I'm going to retrain an erring prophet. Because anybody can make a mistake. But who wants to put, we already know what it looks like to have error at the time. We're living with that and can't do a thing about it because they are not enough righteous to outweigh the wicked. Mm. Well, I never want to do that to the Lord. I won't do that. And God said, I don't reward sin. So we're coming into hard times and the, and, and the cut is getting ready to be really, really rigid. There, This is going to be like hairline cut, heresy splitting hairs, hairline cut, because the king has got to answer the prayers of the lost, of the unsaved, of the yet-to-be-born, because it's all about us in our house. But in the kingdom, it's all about him. We said God starts everything with the prophet. I'm sure you've seen that, the prophet in prophecy. This is the prophetic axis, Alpha Omega, starts everything with the prophet, but he ends with with the apostles so what are we talking about omega rolls back alpha so god he said he finished all of his works from the beginning so even when abel was the prophet god was finished everything that he's going to do for this institution so we don't wake up and say well we're just going to do something differently because it's already in it's not even just in stone people it is in genes it is in the genome of the human race somebody gotta hear me god do you realize what he have to do to make the changes that people say he should do because he's god it's in the genome the human genomics is the word of god I don't know about you, but I'm, I got to hit something, girl, please. Uh, she said, I'm typing. I can't help it. <laughs> she said, I'm typing. <laughs> so the next time somebody said, well, who knows what God can do? God knows what he can do, and he's already done it in the genome, in the gene pool, in the, the family tree, starting with the genomics of Jesus Christ. See, because we blew it, uh, 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 I encourage you to enroll in my biotic gospel class early. Because if we had taught this right, a lot of these wrongs would never have happened. So all that you say, well, who knows what God can do? No, when things go contrary to God is because God allowed a sacrificeable gene to deviate, from his hallowedness. So, the minute Lucifer brought himself into existence as the dragon, as the serpent, as Satan, he infected the genome of all creation, spiritual and human. When he did that, now God's predetermined word has two ways that it can go. You think it's a you think God is being selfish when he's telling you who to marry? Not about that. It's about what he put in that gene pool. What's in that family tree? What's in that family line? Okay? You have got to pay attention to that. That's important. So moving on, we already talked about the the specialist, master expert. You know, I may have very various issues with some of the prophets that have gone before me, especially the the ones that talk about master prophet. But they were right in that they may they may have mastered darkness, but God had prophet masters. I just said they did I say I said they did anybody hear me? I did good. Okay, I just want you to know. So, they may have mastered, they specialized in darkness, they mastered darkness, and they became expert. Their expertise was for that of darkness. Well, remember, God had a dark angel. He did. And still has. He still works for Jesus. That's why he keeps showing up wherever Jesus is. And so, but the point is, we, the, the light is so. I want to say so meekness, so false humility minded, because it is false humility minded, that we won't become specialists in this thing. We won't become the masters that master darkness. And we won't become the experts that push back on it. And there is a lot of work to it. And and because we have narrowly defined the prophetic as of predicting the future, we can't. We cannot contend with them. We can't push back on them. We don't have that depth and breadth and scope of knowledge of the Almighty. That is what this manna baby generation is going to do. See, this generation of manna-fed prophets, manna-fed, manna-fed messengers. See, y'all are manna-fed, you know? You know, When we, we get all excited over a piece of meat from an animal that's corn-fed. That means that there's nothing in it to harm us. Well, this is these manifested prophets, these manifested divine communicants, these manifest up and coming. They are going to take it over because they are like the ones that took down Jericho. They got no sin, nothing, there's sin in them. You understand that when you realize and you study what really took out Jericho for the almighty, you'll look and say, we got a long way to go. Yep. We have a very, very long way to go. But we're going to do the, we're going to be the manifested. So, the first thing we're going to start doing is having outcomes. I don't know. And we're going to start looking for outcomes. Did we do it? There we go. What we, what the results we're looking for, are the results we have. We look for. Favor from people who agreed with us. We looked for affirmation for people who liked our word. But that's not what heaven is looking for. Heaven is looking for manna babies, manna prophets that can produce, reproduce after their own kind to give him pure civilizations. See, we don't think like that. We like, well, we just want to, it's just us church to no know more. The prophet predates the church. So the prophet gets to define the church. The prophet predates the fivefold, The 3 predates the fivefold. One's constitutional and the other's executive. Constitutional and executive. Okay? And then we have, so what do we have to do? We have to adjust some things. We're going to have to adapt to what heaven is so that we can evolve into the manner, the pure prophets that can take out Jericho and then take over Jericho. See, some people, you're that spiritual warfare prophet. All you want to do is war and take it out. But then we still need those that come behind you to take it over, to build it up. That's what we must do. We have to get ready for change. We've got to be ready to change what darkness has allowed and what future telling has encouraged. Because future telling, the the way we're doing this is actually abdicating from the office. We're trying to get the thing thing the thing. To think. We're going to get the thing to thing. So I need you I need you to think differently and understand. You, the, the prophetic as you have seen it and come to hate it is not from eternity. It is not from Jesus Christ. That prophetic, that hateful prophetic is self-serving and humanist. As a matter of fact, Ezekiel talks about them being prophets of their own heart. Ezekiel 13. And, and, and we have to start tying what we do prophetically to what it is that God actually sent to the planet. So we look at Ezekiel 13, and he said, If you have to read it. I mean, it's a class. It's, it, it should be a a case study and it's talking about um 13 1 and the lord of the lord came unto me saying son of man prophesy against the prophets of israel that prophesy and say thou unto them that prophesy out of their own hearts hear ye the word of the lord then said the lord woe unto the foolish prophets that follow their own spirit having seen nothing O Israel, thy prophets are like the foxes in, dev- in the desert. You have not gone up into, listen to this, you have not gone up into the gaps m- and neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in in the battle in the day of the Lord. They have seen vanity and lying divination saying the Lord saith and the Lord hath not sent them and they have made others to hope that they would confirm the word. In the moderns said they Made others hope the word will come to pass, so that's that's very important. And then when you go to read all of the others, but here's something that you need to understand guard yourself against. He said, Ezekiel 14 14, though these men listen to this Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness. There's a place where intercession will not produce intervention. There's behavior where intercession will not produce intervention. You can stand there and pray all day long. God is like, get away with this people, get them out of my sight. You do not ever want God to say he's done with intervention because that is a problem now it's important because every intercessor should know this and then most of them don't but every intercessor should know this now i want you to remember that ezekiel 14 14 that's a metrics and that's a measurement and jeremiah 15 1 then said the lord unto me though moses and samuel stood before me yet my mind could not be favorable toward this people Cast them out of my sight and let them go forth. You know, I have done this a lot of years. And I've studied all of this. And I've studied it repeatedly. For example, so much so that I can tell you why Ezekiel says, Daniel and Job. And who was the last one? I forgot it just there quickly. Noah, those three. Daniel, Job, and Noah—what do they have in common? They predate Moses's law. Daniel, when they're in exile, because the law is been muted. So Daniel, Moses, and Job are the the law, the prophets that God used. As intercessors, that's why it's amazing that men don't intercede. That's crazy. I'm like, are you kidding me? Okay, that's ridiculous. Men are to lead intercession, especially if you're a male prophet. You have to lead it because your prayers work. Daniel was an intercessor. And he was a prophet that interceded for the restoration of God's law and the deliverance of the exile so they can go back home and rebuild. See, if you don't know why you're fighting spiritually, yeah, you don't want to pray. You're tired. Like, why? why Who wants that? But Daniel, Job, and Noah were all prophets without a covenant. And look at what they did. Job interceded as the highest judicial power in the world as far as God was concerned. Noah was the one that was right building the ark. Does anybody hear and Daniel we just talked about now but Samuel over here in Samuel 151 Moses founded the law and Samuel reinstituted and set up the divine communication structure that kept the prophets in order and in action while he and David were in control. So there's five intercessors and you need to know what they were interceding for. Now, if you look at your screen, we're talking, I'm I'm just doing two more slides, but I want to do them because it's important that you understand it. I said, have you ever heard of specialist, master and expert being taught, being classified? That prophets have been experienced or have been ascribed to being this guy is a specialist and this girl, it masters that in the prophetic domain, in God's divine communications domain. This one's an expert. We don't want to give those words because the Protestants and the charismatics are so afraid and the word of faith is so afraid that our ego may overwhelm their will that they'd rather downplay our excellence, our superiority and our supremacy. So I want you to understand a poor man can be just as egotistical as a wealthy one. Huh. A poor man could even be more egotistical because in the same way that the wealthy man will not will do anything to never be poor or poor again, the poor man would do, want to do nothing to be wealthy simply because they don't want to be like them because they've already judged them as mean, wicked people. Yeah. So don't get it in your mind that stature determines humility. You need, to get, you need to get that out of your mind. Statue will not regulate humility. The humble will be humble. The hardy will be haughty, And nothing we do uh, that puts on them will change it. I'm talking a hardy person will be haughty broke. They'll be snotty broke. You can put them in jail. They're going to be haughty in the jail. Okay, a poor person will condemn money, condemn wealth, condemn any of that because they believe that their poverty makes them more spiritual and thus brings them closer to God and to where humanity ought to be. So you need to recognize that neither poverty nor power determine people's humility. So we, need, so, we so let's go on and be good. Let's just go be good and let God work with the heart. Because let me tell you something, God made Babylon haughty and arrogant to take out his people. I know y'all probably didn't read that. But anyway, so we're going to close on where I entered in, which is think before you sink or link. Before you sink your faith in somebody, before you link up with them, make sure that you do some your own work. Let's start with consider. You know, the word consider has very interesting word because in the middle of it is the word side. So should you come alongside that? Should you take that side? Should that be the side you're on? And then listen. When you think about it, the word listen, the front of it is the word list. Have you itemized all that you heard? Have you listed it so that you could consider it? And then ask, ask questions. I mean don't just ask for things ask questions when people tell you I'm from Paula Price I'm from so-and so ask questions. When people go and gossip about Paula Price, don't just say, wow well, I know they say this but what I, go to my website go and look at my Facebook to see what everybody else is saying and then say am I dealing with a disgruntled soul? Am I dealing with a disgruntled soul who's on a mission to, to of revenge to get back at this woman for something? Think. Leaders think. And prophets cannot do that. I have to say this because if I don't, you all don't know how to do it. See, we we you get stuck because we don't teach you how to get out. You know? So I'm giving you traction. I'm giving you thought and, and I'm giving you critical thinking traction. You need traction because you all are trapped in the historical hear and say, monkey see, monkey do. So, and then re- repeat. So am I to understand you to say? Isn't that a powerful thought? Are you really saying? Make sure that you're understanding what they're saying because sometimes when you say it, it speaks to your mind differently. This is critical thinking. Prophets must think critical. The word critical comes from the word which means judge, discern, discriminate. And then incur. Are you really ready to take on what they're saying and should you? Should you take on this person's ministry mantle, et cetera? Do you know what they did before? People come to your church. You take them in your church because you're so glad to get some more sheep. You don't care that they're poisoned. You don't care that they're sick. You don't care that they have torn up five churches before yours. And yours has just become number six. You don't care how they behave. That's why I know you're not a quality leader because quality leaders want to protect what they have. You know, they tell me when I was researching, they told me that there was a difference between the synagogue and the temple. The temple is for the, the authentic. And the synagogue is for the communal. So you might want to think about that. And then yield. Before you yield, and will your will, will your yield bring out a truth that should be known? And if you look at the other side, so the first one, if you look at it, it's the acronym CLARIFY. Thought to action. Then on the other corner, you see the, ac- the acronym <clears throat> critical. And what is it? Number one, think it out. Cogitate. Stop letting your heart run amok with your mind. And then review. Before you make a decision, take some time. Okay, let me think about it. The reason judges are judges because they do something very unique. They take time to think about it. They may have already made the decision. But they give a window of time for other thoughts and other things to enter in. And then interview those involved. Don't be so, well, I just don't want to tell their story. They don't mind telling everybody else's story even lies on them. (laughs) So start talking to the people that they're affiliated with. We used to do that because we wanted to protect the fly. Now we just want to profit ourselves. So when people come in, ask ask the hard questions. You know, I like that. Interview, the last word, view, but the first prefix says, Get an inside view of. So you need to get an eternal view of all of this before you do what you do to jump to conclusions. Test what they say. Test it with other people. Test them. Don't just say, okay, we're just going to bring you in and we're just going to do all of this. Make sure you test them. Because God said, prove all things. So you should put everything to the test. If you're a critical thinker and if you're a prophet, you ought to be a critical thinker. And not a quick responder. And then inquire. Ask about them. Do your homework. Confirm. Make sure what you are finding out is lining up with what they're saying. And that both are accurate. You don't need to be blindsided when somebody can gut your church. Gut your business. And then you want to say, yeah, I should have. No, no. You start out. You treat everybody as if they can harm God. And then you go into action to see if they will harm him. Because if they harm God, they're going to harm you and your sheep. They're going to harm you and your employees. And then analyze. You're still thinking. So you're still withholding your judgments. So you're still thinking. Analyze. Begin to break down what it is that's the truth. Because people come and truth is kind of like a really rich dessert. With the best piece of fruit in it you can find that's covered in in a, a, a glaze and then wrapped in a dough and then all then sealed in an outer chocolate something so you you got to get to the you got to get past the sweetness you got to get past the doughiness you got to get past that 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 silk that silky covering and get to the core. You have to do that and you have to do it if you're going to make it in God's manner kingdom move, because this is a move for those who've come back to its truth. Okay? And then lastly, you want to logicize. Now, here's where it's interesting. <clears throat> Can I say about logic? The heart has got to be trained to be logical, because it's not it's not constructed with logic wiring. It's constructed with emotional channels. So it's always streaming. It's not. But but if you make those channels logical enough to engage the intelligence and regulate it when it's needful, then you can get a logical statement. Most Christians are illogical. Because we've had an illogical gospel. And we've had an illogical doctrine. So most Christians are illogical. They think and, and, and they think emotional because the whole move, and we talked about it in my leadership class on Sunday, the goal is to do what? Be a feeler and not a thinker. So, so to, to get you to stop thinking and overfeel hyper feelings. That's what we have. The reason that people will get mad and tear up a church, because they don't think, they feel. And they feel from, <clears throat> from a swamp of soul debris and sediment that has constructed the, how they respond to life and has formed the basis for the ideologies that they hold on to. Well, I just think, you think about it, when people go leave a church, even you all who receive folks from other church, you don't know how they think and you don't care until they tear up your stuff and when they tear up your stuff then you want to call back and ask for a, a recommendation and i don't take the call <laughs> you should have called first <clears throat> that should have been a first response and not a last resort so i don't do it but i had to learn that when i was young i was the same way all i wanted was the numbers all i wanted was just the people i didn't want quality i wanted quantity because i wasn't going to do anything qualitative with the quantity anyhow <laughs> excuse me <clears throat> But I've grown. And there's a reason why Jesus started with 12 and not 1200. Last one, you're going to appreciate this. Oh, wait a minute, hold on. Last one, critical thinking. You all look at this because all that I just told you involves what's in this word cloud. Strategy, if you look at the backdrop, the strategy and logic are the backdrop. So, what does it talk about? It's talking about taking stock, studying and critiquing, and all of the things that you've been told over the last 20 to uh, 30, 40 years in God to not do. Listen, so what does Satan say? Follow your heart. No, no. If you're following your heart, what I see your body showing up as should be telling me what's in your heart, and it does. It does. I have I have folks who are emotionally off. You don't even ask people about their emotional state and their emotional history before you take them in your house. You don't know if they're struggling for mental breakdown. Do we have a little schizophrenia going on here? How many Polars do we have? Are they bi, try, thrive? We don't know. But yet you should know. You should know because it's going to unleash itself on your people. And it's going to infect your house. Are they under therapy? You should know that. Are they under counseling? That's why we have our ministers over families. Because they get to tell me what's going on with this whole family. You don't know that. A lot of you all take an ex-military. You don't know that they have PTSD or not. You don't know anything and you don't care. You won't care until you're sitting there on the side of the road wondering what happened to your work. And you're because the church has been trained to want to believe a lie, they're quick to believe a lie and without doing your homework. And I'm saying this because this new move, God is getting ready to have his net out there. He's going to pull in a lot of souls. I mean, we're getting ready to be bombarded with millions and millions of souls who are coming to Jesus Christ. And you need to know what to do with those souls. And you need to plan now what your responses are going to be how to contain them so many times my, they'll leave they'll leave one ministry where they wreck their leadership and come to your ministry and you're so glad to have help you put them in leadership you put them to work right away don't realize that even though they can perform well publicly they're they're feeding your people in meetings and they're feeding your people in trainings you should know that right. is this all right to say? So if you look at the bottom, the acronym SAFE, Scientific, Analytical, Forensic, and Evidentiary. What is the evidence? What type of evidence are you seeing? And so before we close out today for the giving and all of that, I just want you to see this last one. You see the six blocks. And then prophetic thinking from action to motion, enactment to enforcement, expression to evidence this is prophet talk this is prophet mind this is prophet and apostles wisdom because your job is to take care of the king the kingdom as the king would because you're standing in his place physically so you have to think as he think walk as he walk, talk as he talk. attach the term to two sets of blocks the terms in the two sets of blocks to the effects of prophetic thinking. I gave you today prophetic thinking in action and effect techniques technology isn't that something we need that and I want you to get it I, I need you to get it I need you to get it because things are about to shift rapidly in the church. And they're going to ship so suddenly and abruptly, you're going to find yourself at a loss for what to do. You won't have tools. You won't have instruments. So you'll be delaying God's harvest while you go and whip up tools, whip up some instruments, go and gather this and gather that research and all of that. I'm telling you, I have it. You don't have to do all of that work. DrPaulAprice.com. Check our advisors, check with our chief apostle. Our, our chief prophet and our apostles, but our chief prophet, because they work on this. We can help you handle these people, handle the flood, handle the influx. Everybody know Apostle Astrid, I don't even know. She never stops. I don't know. I don't know any of them. I don't know when they stop. Maybe they don't. But, but the point is, and I have a raw team that can take the flood and bring your people where they have to be in the kingdom. I'm not talking about a congregation. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the kingdom in the king's realm so that we can become specialists, masters, and experts on purpose by instinct, intelligence, and by faculty. Well, I'm done. Are you ready to? What's, what's next? They tell me. Uh, they gave me. They, you know, they showed the sign a couple times. And so that was the time. She said, it's time to give. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. And I'm asking you to sow to me the equivalent material seed to what I've just given you as spiritual information. You know you're not getting it everywhere. Now, after this week, you'll probably be hearing elements of it everywhere. But the cohesiveness, you still won't get. Because a cohesiveness comes from holism. So I, get, I have the holism, so you're going to get cohesive, and you're going to get coherent. So I'm asking you to sow a seed. I'm sure that Rachel has it up on the screen. Sow your very, very best seed, and also consider taking a powertrain class. Apostle Ashley works on them day and night. She picks out the most wonderful things. It's really great. Consider that. Also, take an assessment so that you know why start working on yourself when you don't know what to work on. We help you not only work on what's necessary, but to prioritize it. So you want to take an assessment. Do start with the MAQ. Do not start with the PAQ, because the PAQ will call a nat a profit because it's all about the profit. Start with the MAQ, and then beyond that, give thought to registering for the Biotic Gospel class. It's a powerful class and it's coming through. And and don't write me and tell me the gospel should be free because I got a free version online. You can do the free. But if you want to be the one who's part of uh, uh, triggering it, spearheading it and disseminating it. Yeah, well, like any other class, any other academics and scholastics. Yeah, there is a tuition. But it would be worth your while because I'm telling you, the next move of God is going to begin with the biotic gospel. Not the traditional gospel, not the theological gospel, the biotic gospel of Jesus Christ. For I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. That means I came biotically for them to have generic, genomic abundance. God bless you. Join us again. um, Sunday morning, eight o'clock Sunday school. They tell me it's a blast. I know I've been watching some of them. I'm like, "Mm, yeah, eight o'clock Sunday school. 10 o'clock service if you're in the area. Until then, God bless you and share, share, share. Share, share, share. Share again. Have a great weekend.